When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. It's, it's Questions Day, Kieran, and the first question, of course, is why are you listening to this on Boxing Day, everybody? Um... <laughs> Um, I, I would say, did you have a nice Christmas, Kieran? But we tied ourselves in knots last year at the pretense that we yes. were actually doing these live all the day before. So let's let's not do that again. Um, um, let's let's just ignore producer guys' instructions and, and admit that for the next couple of weeks, the pods you are hearing are pre-recorded. It's currently the Wednesday before Christmas. Um, so if anything happens over Christmas. We won't be talking about it, on or off the pitch. <laughs> uh, we've also ignored Guy's suggestion rather than instruction that perhaps we could try recording during the day this year to uh, avoid last year when people seemed to enjoy me getting more and more drunk as each day went on through Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's very realistic, Kieran, but, you know, it's 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 winter. Christmas is coming up. I've got a glass of wine and... and it gets lonely in my tummy if I only have one. <laughs> so how, how how are you? How, I'll tell you what. How was your Tuesday before Christmas? Let's be festive like that. How was there? I spent most of it marking accountancy exams. So oh, very, very <laughs> that, Christmas. That's about as, <laughs> very festive as it can get. Oh, what a lovely pleasing image! Did you have a little bit of tinsel on your head? As you, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, uh, my, uh, my 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 crap Christmas jumper with a with a reindeer with a. With, with, with Randy wearing a tie for, be, for reasons best known to himself. There is there's no such thing as a crack Christmas jumper, Kieran. I will not have that sort of talk <laughs> on this podcast. And if, if a reindeer wants to wear a tie, I imagine he looked very dashing. <laughs> hey! hey <thank> very much. <laughs> uh, so let's, it's questions, and let's, let's um, get through some of these questions, Kieran. And we can all carry on with Christmas. Our first one comes from Alex Hare. And Alex says, um, Merry Christmas to you, Alex. Alex says, any Championship League 1 or League 2 players who are called up to represent their country at the Qatar World Cup missed a lot of games for their club. What happened to their wages for the weeks and the games they missed for their club while they're away at the World Cup? I said, Do you know what, Kieran? Our waiting list is so long. I suspect this might be about <laughs> the Russia World Cup, but I think, and I'm judging by the fact that Qatar seems to have been added in red that the producer guys desperately tried to make this topical by <laughs> pretending it's about the World Cup that's just finished. So let's let's go along with that that suggestion, Kieran. So it's a good question, and it's it's a subject, Kieran, that our listeners are, are fairly obsessed with. They really want to know about insurance and about wages and about what happens to their players when they're playing for their countries at a tournament. Yes. So so the the players have a contract of employment with the club. Um, and therefore, the club is obliged to pay them a uh, a, a monthly wage, as well as we're aware. They're not paid weekly, despite despite the way that we talk about football. Uh, yes. Um, but in addition to that, FIFA have an arrangement with all of the effectively the, the national leagues 
and they have something called the the club benefits program um and what they've effectively agreed to do is to pay each club um ten thousand dollars per day or just just short of ten thousand dollars per day starting about a week before the tournament starts before the tournament commenced um and uh Therefore, the the clubs themselves are given some form of of recompense, um, and if you are a League One or or League Two player, yeah, that's that's seventy thousand dollars a week. So we now start talking about footballers' wages in in terms of weeks, and uh, there's not that many clubs in uh, uh, in League Two who are paying seventy thousand yeah. bucks a week. So yeah. those clubs will actually benefit uh, significantly. Um, the the money is slightly tiered. So if you if you get to the final, I think it works out as around about three hundred and seventy thousand dollars in total um, for for a club. Um, so so that's what that's what Brighton will have got from FIFA uh, in respect of uh, Alexis McAllister, who uh, we, we are recording this on the Tuesday night. Um, Brighton are at Charlton on Wednesday night. Um, he's he's not been seen at Gatwick just yet, um, and I think that I think we're not expecting him back for a few days. Judging from um, judging from a the the scenes in Buenos Aires, which have been absolutely amazing, um, and b one or two comments which he's made uh, to his girlfriend um, on social media, which which were perhaps a little bit hasty, um, but would suggest that his thoughts are elsewhere. Yeah, I. I, I I don't like to spoil your Christmas, Kieran, but I, I think you should mention him as much as you can until the 31st <laughs> of January because I suspect that, like several other ex-Brighton players and indeed your ex-manager, you will stop talking about him completely. Has he been tweeting that he really has just been pretending that he likes quinoa, that sort of thing? <laughs> I suppose, That's Kieran, right. on, on, a, on a serious note, League 1, League 2 players, who uh, clubs who did lose players during the World Cup, deserve compensating because they mm. actually did lose their players because their games carried on. Whereas, of course, you know, Premier League clubs didn't really lose their players, did they? They only lost them from lucrative friendlies and, and training sessions. So, you know, League One, yeah, well, players going to the World Cup are by association good players. Yes. So if a League One or League Two player uh, missing from a club at a very important time of the season, I think it's only right that they should get recompensed, don't you? Yes, yes, and um, you know we are we are more than happy to uh, throw brickbats at FIFA uh, mm. when, when they are deserved. But this does seem to be a quite a democratic approach uh, in that it's not linked to the division or the leagues in which these players are, are being recruited uh, for to, to represent their national teams, um, and it, and it's a flat fee. Um, so so that that is that is good, and and there will be some you know. Some some beneficiaries financially, and I'm sure that those clubs impacted. You know, even the clubs in the championship, who who the, yeah, the championship did have a bit of a hiatus. Um, that there, there's plenty of them, and at a time when uh, yeah, m- money is tighter than ever in football, um, I'm, I'm sure it's gratefully received. Yeah, we we mentioned this in last week's pod. I think we did. We haven't recorded it yet. We're not doing that till tomorrow morning. <laughs> but I think we're planning to mention it. But my God, Infantino looked pleased with himself before this World Cup, but he just really looks like the cat who's got the cream now. Or as my mum used to say, he looks like a dog with two dicks. He just looks... You just want to grab hold of him and say, that World Cup final has nothing to do with you. It wasn't one of the best games ever because of you, you smug looking. But anyway... Um, let's not go over that old ground, which we may or may not be doing in the last pod. Our next question comes from Scott Reese, 
Um, and it's actually germane to an interview we did very recently with this club's ex-chairman. And Scott mm. Reese says, in 2016, my club Swansea City were bought by an American investment group funded by Jason Levine and Steve Kaplan in controversial circumstances. And we did speak to Hugh Jenkins, who was um, one of the owners at the time, stayed on as chairman, um, who explained in not that much detail, but certainly gave us some really interesting insight into this uh, sale. I don't think he used the phrase controversial circumstances. Uh, Scott goes on to explain that Swansea were relegated from the Premier League two years later and have since sold off key players in an attempt to become self-sustainable. With the owners being an investment fund and with large amounts of revenue coming in through player sales and little being spent to bring players in, a lot of fans feel the owners have been taking money out of the club for themselves. Have Whether, having looked at the accounts myself, I don't see any blatant withdrawals from the clubs into the owner's pocket, unless I've just completely missed it. Can you see anything I've missed? Um, well, Scott, I, I think you have assessed it correctly. There's there's no evidence that uh, uh, Levine and Kaplan uh, are taking money from the club. And in fact, if, if they are an investment fund, the way that an investment fund would, would normally work is to uh, pay some money to buy a business uh, in, in year one, um, run it as leanly as they can, and uh, try to uh, try to make it more sustainable. So I, I think the certainly the Swansea uh, player sale approach has been very successful since uh, uh, s- since the club was relegated. And, and looking at the accounts in front of me, um, you know their, their player sales have generated probably around about tw- probably twenty times as much as the uh, the player purchases. Um, in in that period of time, so clearly that that is the strategy um, of the club, um, and and what Levine and Kaplan potentially will do, and I've got no evidence uh, to support this. They'll you, you make your money on when you leave the building, so so you buy it for X and, and you sell it for for a multiple of X, and that that's what we've seen at uh, at Liverpool potentially. Uh, you know the owners there could could sell it for. Probably twelve to fourteen times what they paid for the club. The Glazers wow. will be, you know, the Glazers are looking for a, a huge financial return if if they do give control of Manchester United away, and 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 that is a that that is a a strategy, um, and and that's how sort of private equity works in particular. Um, you know, you, you've got an eye on the exit door the minute you walk into uh, the club or the business in hand. Um, and, and you try to improve it financially. The, the best way to improve Swansea City financially, and this is the paradox of football, is to get promoted. But to get promoted, of course, you have to spend money, which yeah, is so you, you've got this this tension between um, you know do you gamble to try to uh, you know, acquire the talent to get you promoted, or do you just go and rely on player sales to to bring the money in? But of course, if if you become a selling club, then then that's going to impact upon what happens on the pitch. So it's a it, it's it's a genuine um, prob you know it's a genuine paradox of football, and, and this is why this is why football clubs lose money because um, you know they they don't get it right all the time, and, and ultimately you can only have three clubs promoted regardless. Uh, when an investment company, Kieran, with a lot of money um, obviously available, buys a, a big club, a club like Swansea City, for example, do they have people there who, by experience or instinct, will you know three years down the line say, 
I don't think this club is ever going to be worth more than it is now. This is the time to sell. Or do they realise that these things are cyclical and, and they just wait and see and or, or wait till they get bored? Um, it, f- football's an intriguing one because what we are seeing from, from these investment funds is is they come into football with the mentality of hard hard you know, hard nosed business people, um, with a view for a pure fi- pure financial return, and, and under normal circumstances, they'd they'd cut their losses and and, and try to flog it off if it, that didn't work. But um, yeah, we, we've we've mentioned Coventry City on on many occasions on the show recently, and um, with regards to sort of you know ongoing news issues, and the the owners there, um, you know, it, it now looks like they have sold the club. The owners there just ended up subsidising the club every year, um, even though um, you know it would it appear to go completely against their their principles of of looking after the interests of shareholders. So, so football is a it's a strange industry because you've got uh, a clash of cultures in terms of ownership between those who are looking for a financial return. And, and I think that ultimately is, is what many of the American owners are seeking um, and, and many of the, the finance-based owners and those who are looking for an emotional return. So you know, if you think about Palace and, and uh, Steve Parrish, he's, he's not focused on making money. I'm sure he'd like to know. Steve Parrish does pretty well out of Palace, but that isn't his prime concern. It was initially to save the club and, and, and B to 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 try to you know and uh, try to establish Palace in, in the Premier League, which which he has done. Um and, and it's the same with with my club Brighton. You know, t- Tony Bloom's four hundred million quid down. Could he get most of that back? Um he'd get a sizable chunk of that back, but I don't think he'd get all of his money back. So um you then got people with that mentality up against the uh, the American. Uh, let's focus on things purely from a financial perspective, and and that causes, um, I think, further further differences. And and for me, you know, as somebody that analyzes it, it's, it, it makes it all the more fascinating um, because the, the the numbers really don't stack up a lot of the time. Mm. Our next question, Kieran, comes from Ruthie Peacock. Um, unless she pronounces it Pico, because I knew a chap once called Paul Peacock, only he pronounced it Paul Pico, um, which we said, if you had a name as good as Peacock, why would you ruin it by saying Pico? It's a a great name, Peacock, Rufy Peacock. It it, it wouldn't wouldn't work in Grace Brothers, would it? Eh? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, of course, that would have spoiled a lot of jokes, wouldn't it? Um, Rufy has an interesting question, uh, but she opens with an interesting gambit. Because yes. Rufy says, I, I don't actually follow football, but I find the pod very interesting, which I think uh, says a lot about us, Kieran, but I'm not sure which way it says a lot of about. Um, Rufy says, I also enjoy the various shows, for example, Amazon's All or Nothing series that follow a team throughout a whole season. I wondered whether there was a payment that these teams, for example, Man City, receive for taking part in these shows. Do they receive royalties for number of views, etc.? As well, I imagine they would lure more fans, ergo maybe sell more merch or increase ticket sales. But with the shows going out to a global audience, I did wonder what's in it for them to let the cameras in, which, which is a very interesting question, Kieran, because they claim, whether it's true or not, they claim that there's no editorial control and what you're actually getting is a very realistic fly-on-the-wall view, fly view. So you think when it comes to a huge club, you do wonder financially why they allow these cameras in for the whole season. Well, um, I think the the clubs are aware that they uh, 
they can expand the brand. Um, yeah, if, if you take a look at what's happened with Formula One's All or Nothing, um, you know, that has – so Formula One's Drive to Survive um, – that has increased the the interest in Formula One in the USA exponentially, um, and and it's there's been a huge surge in um, in uh, you know, uh, additional revenues generated. So therefore, we've seen these take place for you know, Leeds United. I think Palace had one, didn't they? That uh, on yes, yes, um, yeah. Uh, Manchester City have had one. Uh, you know, Leeds, Spurs, Arsenal, and so on, and. The clubs ultimately they're they're giving away some of their intellectual property. You know they are letting people inside the door of um, you know Tottenham Hotspur Limited, Manchester City PLC, and, and so on, and therefore that they're, they're entitled to a reward um, for for that. Uh, so so they, they there will have been a contract between the show producer um, and the football club, um, and there'll also have been a contract which will have. Um, said, you know, these are the number of hours of access that you will have. These are the places you'll be allowed to access, um, and you'll be able to ask questions of these people about these topics. So everything will have been, uh, I think, laid down uh, fairly much in advance, and the uh, the club's lawyers and the, and the show producers' lawyers um, will have been through the small print. So there will be a financial benefit for the football club because you know. Netflix and Amazon do very well out of these shows, um, yeah, yeah. and um, it, it won't, won't necessarily be linked to um, the uh, the number of viewers because um, you know you, you don't know what they're going to be, and also the, the clubs want the money up front. So if, if we take a look at you know, when these shows come out, that they're often sort of you know six or nine months after the end of the season. Well, you know the, the clubs being giving away its uh, its access um you know for for a much earlier period and, and they'd much rather have the cash up front so um i think the clubs will potentially benefit from um the ability to to sell associated merchandise and, and anybody that's followed the um welcome to Wrexham show um will have seen the the, the success that Wrexham have had in in terms of their merchandise and so on um, and I think that's where the clubs will be looking to, to benefit in addition to the fee that they get um, from the producer. Yeah, the, the Palace one was about our academy, um, mm. which was very interesting. Um, it has increased interest. There's no doubt the, the attendances have gone up, albeit from a, a small base. The attendances have gone up at our academy games. But also it's put a lot of players in the shop window as well, so it's actually quite a shrewd move. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Speaking of which, our next question comes from Lee Ashby, who gets a very special Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year 
as you're about to discover why. As Lee Ashby says, luckily I was able to visit Wembley twice last season. The first time was when my beloved Crystal Palace didn't quite make things happen against Chelsea, which is very much a euphemism. Uh, we were sure, didn't, none of us came away from that game thinking, oh, we didn't quite make things happen. Was like, well, we're playing wing backs. Um, the second visit to Wembley was for the non league final day. Lee says that I live in Bromley and the tickets were well priced to give my sons their first Wembley experience and to give the Ravens some support. My question is about the distribution of ticket money for non league day. Newport Pagnell v Littlehampton was for the Vars prior to the Bromley Wrexham game. I wanted to know how much those teams, Newport Pagnell and Littlehampton, would earn from the day. 45,000 tickets were sold, but I don't know if the money was distributed by allocation or another system. Additionally, as it was covered by BT Sport, would these clubs have earned TV money? Right. Um, the, the FA Vars is a FA competition and therefore um, uh, I, I went into the handbook um, to, to find out the details. Um, and the way that it operates is that um, you know, the FA sell the rights to, to BT. The FA uh, are responsible for selling the tickets at Wembley and, and, and pocket pocket those those receipts now if the clubs are selling tickets direct they, they will get a small commission but ultimately what we're looking at here is is prize money so so the winner of the fa vars gets thirty thousand pounds and the runners up gets fifteen thousand so you know for a club at that level it is significant but i think the big issue is uh, actually getting to to the final itself because if you are a loser in the semi-final, you only get one thousand seven hundred and twenty-five pounds. Whereas you oh, get right. to the final, you, you're guaranteed. You get, I think, you get uh, five grand for getting to the final, and then you get, you get fifteen or thirty thousand. So um, the clubs are rewarded because you know there, there was uh, there was a decent crowd on the day. Um, they don't get any additional money from from TV because again, that's part of the the prize money allocation sorted out by the FA. The FA are are the risk taker. As far as the competition is concerned, because if if there's a crowd of five thousand, these two clubs would still get that those fixed sums. So uh, that that's where the FA, it's there. It's an FA competition. The FA determine the level of reward um, for the individual club, and yeah, I'm sure that the of that thirty thousand pounds, yeah, the players will be on win bonuses. But yeah, when when you get to a final um, of of a prestigious competition, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's park football or the World Cup. Uh, you're not thinking about the money when you're playing the match. It, it does make you wonder, Kieran, as well, that quite rightly, the, the Vars and the Trophy played at Wembley. It, it does make you wonder why the National League playoff game final isn't played at Wembley. I know it, it, it might not be set in stone, but it just it doesn't seem right that they'd miss out on a, on a, on a trip to Wembley, especially they, they have to come to London anyway because it's more than likely than not to be Northern teams and they don't even get a... A trip to not that you know London Stadium isn't a decent stadium. I'm sure they'd be delighted to play in it, but they want to play at Wembley. Well, I think they will be playing at Wembley in 2023. I'm will pretty they? certain. I read recently um, that the the National League have been in contact, and, and the National League have come in for um, a lot of criticism, um, some of which is is, is certainly deserved. Um, but they, they do seem to be uh, listening to, to some of the issues. And I, I may have got this wrong, but it certainly it's, it's stuck in my memory that uh, I thought, think the final this year is going to be when there, there may have been issues um, last summer in terms of double bookings or, or, or something similar. 
um, which which prevented the the final taking place at Wembley. But yes, from from a from a player's point of view, and and uh, yes, we know that the players are professional athletes. Um, Every footballer is also a dreamer because they started playing football at six or seven and put it sticking on their boots and going to that first training session. And at the back of your mind, even at our age, we still dream of scoring a goal at Wembley, don't we? Uh, no, I've I've parked that one. I, I, well, I parked that one when I was about seven. I was quite a realistic little kid, to, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I decided at the age of seven that my dreams should go in a different direction, Kieran. I, I dreamt that one day there'd be some kind of independent broadcasting thing where people could get together. (laughs) 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 I'm also going to reveal, Kieran, in the spirit of uh, Christmas, that I had read that too about next year's National League playoff. I just wanted to make it look like we were on the ball and that you (laughs) knew what was going on. Um, It's Boxing Day, Kieran. Rather, this pod is going out on Boxing Day. So there will be many people of all ages proudly wearing a Christmas present of their club's kit, their club's shirt. And our last two questions are about just that. And I think over the course of the near, well, three years we've been doing this, Kieran, I think we've probably had more questions about kits and kit manufacture than, than anything else. And that includes Berry and Man United. So that shows how many we've had. The first one comes from Stuart McIntosh, who says, all too often badges are plastic or ironed mm-hmm. on. Do clubs get the option of an embroidered badge and have to pay more for it? So choose the cheaper option. Or is it a case of they get what they're given? I presume, Kieran, that depends on what level they're playing at, doesn't it? It does. It does. I, I spoke to um, my my friend Phil, who runs oldfootballshirts.com, um, and he is an expert on football shirts. He, he, we, we're, we're enthusiasts. Mm. He's, he's a grandmaster um, when, when it comes to this. Um, and, and he says that when it comes to embroidered badges, they're – normally woven separately to the shirt ah. and then they're stitched or they are heat pressed right. onto the shirts um and uh, you know the likes of Araya, i know i know brighton used to have a, a, a sort of a, an embroidered uh, an embroidered one that they they were they were certainly heat pressed one but um we've now moved into the realms of some clubs and that, that doesn't include brighton and palace but some clubs i think have um, player specification shirt. Remember, you can pay an extra forty quid for uh, the, these these different shirts uh, from from certain club shops, um, and they will have um, they will have lightweight rubberized badges with no show through, um, so to uh, to reduce um, chafing <laughs> of, of chafing of of the upper body of your highly tuned athlete. So, so it it does it does vary. Um, I, th- I think clubs do do have that uh, as an option, um, and, and of course, yeah, they're looking at it from a cost point of view. Um, yeah, I think most fans would would rather have a uh, some form of of formal badge rather than than just a, a transfer. This fantasy you have, Kieran, of still scoring the winning goal at Wembley, yeah? how does it how does it play out? Is there some kind of virus that affects young footballers, and then they? Finally, get down the alphabet, and you're not you're not free, are you? By the way, Kieran, because we've just lost McAllister. He's gone from he's he's gone off to Real Madrid. Can't get anyone else to play. You, you've got a couple of Brighton kits. Want to put that on and give us a run out? And I, 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 I still have recurring dreams of of playing for Brighton. Do you? It, it, you know, it, it's I, I am a 
I mean, you know, as, as, as the Baroness says, uh, you know, I, I do have the, the mind of a 12-year-old mm. in, in the sense that all I think about is is football and, and music and food um, and trying to get a serious conversation out of me is impossible. So, yeah, I, I still I still dream of, of, of playing football and I, and I still physically dream uh, at night of, uh, of, of scoring or playing or, or turning up with my boots, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I, I used to read uh, – I used to go and read, uh, you know, Roy the Rovers, just like anybody, and 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 that that part of football, that romance of football, I've still I've still got. Uh, I used to read books about archaeology, oh, <laughs> and Just William, of course. I love Just William. Um, you know what we need to do, Kieran? We need to get a campaign. We need to go to the FA and say what we need: the walking FA Cup final. That's got to be played at Wembley. That'd be fantastic. That'd be great. I mean. There wouldn't be a lot of people watching it, Kieran, I don't think. No. <laughs> but, but you might get to the, you, know, you know this mate of yours, Phil, the expert on kits. His, his surname's not Shelley, is it? It is. Is it? Well, It is, yes. <laughs> your, mate, your mate Phil Shelley may not know as much about kits as you think he does, Kieran, because <laughs> we've got a question from him. Um, and Phil Shelley, he asked a question that I think many, many, many football fans will be asking on this very day. Mm. To be perfectly honest, especially if they've had to lash out money for their kids, Phil Shelley's question to end this Boxing Day special is: Do kit manufacturers ever consider the selling price of replica shirts, knowing as we do that it can be made for a very few pounds? What is stopping them resetting the price to make them affordable to so many more fans? In turn, this would also curtail the market for fakes, which would be a win-win for manufacturers and for fans. More fans would buy more shirts and fewer fans would resort to buying fakes, the sale of which funds criminal activity. Um, Like so many things around football, Kieran, it's such a simple and obvious question. You you do do wonder why the kit manufacturers and the football clubs haven't said, but there will be a reason, as you'll explain. Well, well, there will. Um, first of all, I think there's there's a cultural issue. Um, if if you look at countries such as the United States, Japan, Germany, and so on, um, that they, they're used to paying um, high prices for branded goods. Yeah. And okay. if you go to the states, and if you if you try to buy something, if you go to an NFL match or an NBA match, and you try to buy a a sports jersey there, you you will get absolutely taken to the cleaners. Yeah. And nobody will will blink. You know that is. You know, if, if if you want a uh, yeah, if you want a Lakers jersey or whatever it's going to be, you know, well, you're getting the Lakers name on it, so therefore expect to pay a premium price. So when we when we then look at prices of shirts in the Premier League, we notice that the likes of you know, if you want a Manchester United Adidas shirt. Um, that's going to cost you seventy notes, or I think it's yeah, around about a hundred. It'd be more than a hundred if you want the, uh, the 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 match standard shirt. Um, and the reason for that is that these clubs have a significant number of fans who um, you know are, are travelling and, and want to go to the megastore and want to have the experience of buying from the Manchester United or the Liverpool or the Chelsea megastore or whatever it's going to be, and therefore they are. They are willing to pay a higher price. Whereas, if we then look at clubs again, we refer to our own clubs. You know, Palace and Brighton. I, th- I think our shirts are fifty-two. Mm. So, you know, we're our, our kits produced by Nike. Well, you know, Nike also sell the shirts of you know, what's it? Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool. 
all of whom are charging seventy pounds. The the quality of the the fabric is is no different. Um, you know, you're not getting more material. Every product that you buy consists of three elements: it's materials, labour, and overhead. It doesn't take longer to produce a Liverpool shirt than a Brighton shirt. It doesn't take longer to produce. You know, you're, you're with Puma these days. Or yeah. 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 Are, yeah. So we've got Manchester City and Palace, you know, both both Puma. It doesn't take longer to, to, to manufacture a Manchester City shirt compared to a Palace shirt. So why is there a price differential? It's simply because there are more fans who are buying shirts sort of sort of not on spec, but who are you know attending matches as a as an experience. And and the, the, the shirt manufacturers and the clubs know that uh, big clubs attract big prices you know and and they 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 justify it on the grounds that look you know, look look at how much money we're spending on player x and player y so therefore you know 70 pounds for a shirt is a good deal so go, going back to, to to phil's position um yeah from from the manufacturer's point of view if we take a look at the the adidas deal with manchester united um manchester united are guaranteed 75 million pounds a year from adidas you know, assuming that they are in the Champions League, mm. or the rather they don't drop out of the Champions League for more than two seasons, um, and, and Adidas say, "Okay, well, we need to get seventy-five million pounds back if we sell a shirt for let, let's say that a shirt costs thirty quid to produce. Uh, it costs is actually a lot less than that, but let, and, and we sell it at forty quid. Um, so therefore, Adidas are making ten pounds per shirt." If we um, if we sell exactly that same shirt for seventy quid, we're making forty pounds profit. So what you would have to do is that if you're selling the the kit at, at forty quid, you'd have to sell four times as many shirts, and it's then you start to do the economics, you start oh, yeah. to crunch the numbers, and even if you think that there's going to be um, a, a a smaller level of sales of Snide shirts. Um, which which there will be to a certain extent, um, but you know, you know your slide shirts going for twenty quid, um, so so it's it's very difficult to undercut the counterfeiters um, in, in respect of this. So therefore, the, the branded sellers take the view that we will simply pitch the price at where we think the market will. S- not be squeezed too much, and, and we'll still get plenty of, of walk-up fans willing to pay seventy or seventy-five pounds for those big club shirts. I suppose the problem is, Kieran, as well. We know football fans; we know what they're like. If Palace and Brighton were to start next season and say new kits in thirty-five quid a shirt, every Palace fan and Brighton fan would go, "What's wrong with them?" Yeah, don't, that, yeah that can't be right. It was seventy quid last year. They'll assume that the quality is poor, and if the club will go, no, 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 we we think we'll sell more shirts, and also it will cut out the fakes that, that people still go. No, I, I want to pay seventy quid for that shirt because mm. that that's the way it works. Because um, even in a time of economic hardship, there are still enough people. The clubs will gamble, either in this country or abroad, to pay full whack for the kit, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All of which seems to be a cunning lead-in by producer Guy into <laughs> saying the first ever price of football replica shirt is still available to pre-order, available in adults and kids' sizes. Um, and when you mentioned size 52 earlier, I thought that's what you were talking about, size 52. 
Oh, they don't go that big, even at Palace, do they? Uh, all the profits will go to gambling with lives. You can find the link to our online shop by going to priceoffootball.com or our social media pages or the description of this episode in your podcast app. The pre-order period ends at 5pm on Friday, December the 30th, so get yours ordered now. I'm afraid we can't tell you exactly how long it will take to arrive, but it won't be days. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that's very kind of you. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. We will be back on Thursday, December the 29th, uh, or in our world, in about five minutes' time, with, a, <laughs> with another questions episode. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. All right. Uh, well, thanks as always for your support. Um, and uh, you can support the show in as many ways as possible. I've not got a list of uh, celebrities, uh, so we can say S- Santa Claus and Rudolph. Um, but that, even that's a bit late as this today's sort of unboxing day, but it's not. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the support and we'll speak to you soon. Well, Santa and Rudolph are, are all right now for the next couple of weeks. They could do it, couldn't they? Yes. I mean, they'll be knackered, but that'd be a great pod, wouldn't it? Santa and Rudolph talking football. Yeah, <laughs> although Rudolph would have to have a red and blue nose. Obviously, that that would be that be. But bye, everybody. It's Christmas. I'm waffling. <laughs> bye. The price of football. I'm for the